Hey everyone, Kwame here, and welcome to 8-Minute Idea. Pope John Paul II, who was fluent in 12 languages and actively practiced seven, established a tradition of delivering messages and blessings in dozens of languages, a custom that was continued by his successor, Benedict XVI. Watching the broadcasts of their services on YouTube recently, I was struck by the applause rising from different locations in the crowd filling St. Peter's Square as they switched languages. Members of the various speech communities seemed to connect and resonate in response. It didn't seem to matter how halting the delivery of their Swahili or how imperfect the intonation of their Icelandic was, the reaction from the part of the crowd that felt acknowledged by their use of language was as consistent as it was warm. This wasn't the first time I had experienced the connective quality of language. I grew up on the Caribbean island of Trinidad in what I would call a wordy household. My parents are both writers, so that my sister and I were homeschooled at least as much as we were regular schooled, especially when it came to the use of words. There was sometimes tension whenever my sister and I came home from school speaking the local dialect, which we did with our friends. Our mum's position was that we could speak like that at school and wherever else, but at home we would practice using standard grammar and an accurate vocabulary. Dad, on the other hand, was far less bothered by all this, and occasionally there were arguments between the parents as to how much linguistic latitude we kids would be allowed. Because mom won that battle without breaking much of a sweat, my sister and I developed the skill of switching back and forth between local dialect and Queen's English. Because we not only wanted to be accepted by our peers at school, but... Like most children, we were invested in the approval of our parents and the sense of belonging to the culture of our family. And this is because culture is a set of beliefs, values, fundamental assumptions, behavioral conventions and attitudes that are shared by a group of people and influence each member's behavior and interpretations of behavior. The size of that group is irrelevant and can range on the intimate end from the culture between two people in a friendship or partnership, or at medium scale, the culture of a workplace defined by its policies, to the community extending from the rituals of a religion or the laws and constitution of an entire nation. We see unfolding every day in the news, and in different ways depending on where we get our news, just how the use and reception of language creates tribal groups that interact, resonate, and bond in response. The reason for this is simple. As the counterpart of culture, language is a set of sounds and symbols used to communicate the beliefs, values, fundamental assumptions, behavioral conventions, and attitudes of a group of people while influencing each member's behavior and interpretations of behavior. According to what is called the linguistic relativity principle, the way we think about the world is directly influenced by the language we use to speak about it. That means, in essence, 
that culture is language, and language is culture. I first noticed this when I finished my studies in the UK and went to Germany for a year to learn the language. Initially, I tried to do this by learning word-for-word translations of my English vocabulary until I realized that I was experiencing a couple of problems. The first problem was the time it took to have a thought formulated in English, translated into German, and then express it. In conversation with German friends, I often felt a few frustrating seconds late with all my reactions, so that by the time I was ready to make my comment or contribute to the conversation, it had already moved on, and I would often end up not speaking at all, strangely isolated. The other and more significant problem, however, was the realization that learning the sounds of a language and what those sounds mean goes beyond translation into the world of culture. I discovered that there is a whole vocabulary in German that only makes sense in the context of German culture, a lexicon of single words I could only decode into English with a sentence, a paragraph, or an eight-minute idea. I was quite literally lost in translation. The effort of trying to take the scenic route around these obstructions eventually caused me to take an important decision. I would, I decided, have to somehow abandon English. I would have to let go of the mental rope that harbored me in the English language and its culture and start actually living in German, and by extension, in Germany, as a direct and not alternating current. As I got better at this, I noticed that along with the German language, I was now also acquiring a set of corresponding beliefs, values, fundamental assumptions, behavioral conventions and attitudes, a way of seeing the world, eine Weltanschauung. And I noticed that in my interactions with Germans, I would sometimes be perceived, however benignly, as a potential outsider until I opened my mouth to speak, my use of language communicating not only information, but also an understanding of culture. When Pope Francis succeeded Benedict, he put a stop to the multilingual tradition started by John Paul. A humble man, he was open about his reasons, citing a lack of fluency and a desire not to have his difficulty with intonation, pronunciation, or phonetics get in the way of his message. That change of approach itself, choosing which words not to say, spoke a subtle language that may have alienated some, but resonated with others in a manner unique and authentic to Francis. So here's the point. We all know instinctively how important it can be in our personal and professional lives to belong to or be perceived to belong to one culture or another. That belonging creates network, opens doors, creates opportunities. Our language, what we choose to say and not to say, extends around us as a vibe representing our culture. And that vibe attracts a culturally like-minded tribe. So if you ever find yourself curious about the people and forces in your life, 
remember this as a possible starting point. Your voice is your passport, and by extension, your vibe attracts your tribe, just as your tribe reflects your vibe. And that's your 8-minute idea. Thanks for listening to this 8-minute idea. Please subscribe or follow if you enjoyed it and look out for new episodes coming weekly. Till next time.